This nation was founded by men of many nations and backgrounds. It was founded on the principle that all men are created equal and that the rights of every man are diminished when the rights of one man are threatened. Today we are committed to a worldwide struggle to promote and protect the rights of all who wish to be free. It ought to be possible for American consumers of any color to receive equal service in places of public accommodation, such as hotels and restaurants and theaters and retail stores. And it ought to be possible for American citizens of any color to register and to vote in a free election without interference or fear of reprisal. It ought to be possible, in short, for every American to enjoy the privileges of being American without regard to his race or his color. I have always been an underdog. I felt that way most of my life. As a child and then when I became an actress in Hollywood. I fought against my home studio so I could choose the roles I wanted to play and the directors I wanted to work with. Some people have said, even though I'm not educated, I have a moral compass. You could say, I'm kind of an activist, though most people still see me as an actress. In my profession, as a, pardon the expression, movie star, <laughs> I used my power to help others like my husband, Arthur Miller, when he was called to testify before Congress. I feel it's important to use my influence to support justice and righteousness, because there are many people still struggling for the rights they deserve to have. I know what it's like. I struggle every day just to live. When I was young, I admired Abraham Lincoln. I still do. He believed in equality. Now, President Kennedy is also committed to equality. He's creating great change in his country. May 18, 1962, Manhattan. Wearing a lime green poochie blouse, white capris, white pumps, and cat eye glasses, Marilyn Monroe can pass for any attractive blonde resident of the Upper East Side. She leaves her Manhattan apartment with publicist Patricia Newcomb. Here comes our driver. Oh, there's that Jimmy Haspel again with his camera. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Marilyn. Uh, hi, Miss Newcomb. Uh, Marilyn, let's go. Where are you headed today, ladies? Well, you know my schedule better than I do. Where am I going, Jimmy? Headed to rehearsal at Madison Square Garden. You're right again. Good afternoon, ladies. Well, I can't keep the driver waiting. I'll see you later, sweetheart. I'll be here, waiting for you right outside your door. Just me and my trusty movie camera. Well, I can depend on you like the sun rising each morning. Mr. Kennedy, 
Betty has the best seat in the house, a function whose entertainers range from Jack Benny to Danny Kaye and Ella Fitzgerald, and whose honor list range from Jim Farley to Adlai Stevenson. How are you feeling about singing for him? I'm a little nervous, but I think I can, I think I can. Okay, Marilyn, today you're rehearsing directly with Richard Adler, the producer, and the orchestra. Tomorrow night, you'll be the last performer of the evening. I'm the last. Okay. This call sheet shows you are going on stage as 12 of 18 performers, but Adler's plan for the evening is going to be a joke about your tardiness. Is that where Mr. Lawford comes in as the master of ceremonies? Yes. Peter will introduce you again and again, spotlight on stage, drum roll, but no Marilyn. It will build anticipation. Suspense. I like it. You won't appear until the finale to sing Happy Birthday and Thanks, Mr. President. Then two men will come out carrying a six-foot birthday cake. Pat, does your memo show who's on the piano? Let me see. Uh, looks like Hank Jones. Hank Jones? You know him? I do. Back when I was making blondes, I met him through Billy Trevea at the 5-4 ballroom. 5-4? Never heard of it. It was a jazz club in South Central L.A. Kind of what the Apollo Theater is to Harlem. Oh, and that damned photograph. Photograph? Billy and I were talking with Hank one night over drinks at the 5-4, and... That photograph of Hank, Billy, and me caused a commotion at the studio with my boss. But let me tell you about Billy. Joan Crawford had Adrian, Marlena Dietrich had Jean-Louis, and I had William Trevea. I called him Billy. You slumming here with us again, Billy? Slumming? We've come to the hottest place in town for some of your great jazz. Okay, man. Good evening, Marilyn. Is Billy making you pretty dresses to wear in your new picture? Oh, he sure is. And he's making me look like a big star. But Mr. Zanuck threw a fit about one costume Billy designed for my solo number. Oh, yeah? What? did you do this time? I put this beautiful girl in a pair of black fishnet hose attached to a leotard that came up to a bodice made of nude fabric. Leotard? Bodice? <laughs> I only got the nude part. Uh, but I had her dripping in diamonds. Uh, Zanuck thought it was too revealing and nixed it. But then, Hank... Billy designed for me this beautiful gown in shocking pink. Of poids du soir. <laughs> okay. Like satin, Hank. It's so elegant. I can't wait to see it on the screen. While wearing Billy's costumes, well, he's making my dreams come true. Marilyn, you're just gonna knock them dead in Technicolor. Oh, enough about me. 
We're here to listen to you, Hank. It's so wonderful how you improvise on the keyboard, and you never miss a note. Oh, thanks, Marilyn. But it's not about the notes. You know that. It's not about the lines and the script. It's how you play them. Yeah, that's right. Every time I sit down at the keys, I'm pushing myself. But it's not a competition. I'm working to make each performance better than the last one. I know exactly what you mean. Hey, Hank, you like the LA scene as much as the New York scene? LA's better than the South. I've played at places where we'd walk around the street to the front just to see our names on the marquee. We weren't allowed to go in the main entrance. If my name's on the big sign, I should be able to walk right through the front door of that club. That's right, Hank. You should. Do you have any Negro friends, Marilyn? You? <laughs> Other Negro friends. Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to sit next to a Negro boy in my class at UCLA, Leslie Shaw. Oh, he was absolutely brilliant. Worked at the L.A. post office. Well, probably head of the place now. Hey, Hank, do you have any white friends? <laughs> you got me there, Billy. So, how is your film going, Marilyn? Something about blondes. Gentlemen prefer blondes. It's a musical. And Marilyn is singing in this film. Boy, it's not Shakespeare, but it's a good picture. Someday I hope to be doing something more like a serious drama. I love to sing, but I don't sound like Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, Ella is something. Man, she can scat. You know, she recorded a Tisket a Tasket early in her career. I accompanied her for years, but no matter what else she sang or where she went, people still wanted to hear that song. They were her audience, so she'd sing it for them. So, Marilyn, you gotta dance with who brung you. Oh, I hear you. My one desire is to be the best. The best I can be from the moment the camera starts until the director says cut. Yeah, you and the instrument become one. Mind, fingers, body. Perfection is something you shoot for. But Marilyn, you're already perfect. <laughs> hey, can I get a shot of you three? Sure. Better brace yourselves for the fallout when this picture hits the papers in Alabama. Boy, it didn't take long before Billy and I were called in by our boss. Like we were two kids in trouble at school being sent to the principal's office. Miss Monroe, Mr. Trevia, Mr. Zanuck will see you now. Thank you. Marilyn, Trevia, I invited you both here because I got wind of your date. Date? What date is that? The date at that Negro nightclub in South Central. Oh. 
He means where we were at the 5-4 ballroom. Look at this photo. Oh, it's us with Hank Jones after his show. Yeah, I got it killed. It's the second time I've had to deal with this problem of you in a photo, Marilyn. First, that nude calendar. Now, this one. But, Mr. Zanuck, I was honest about posing because well, I needed the money. And we weathered that scandal. The public sympathized with me. <sighs> the ticket-buying public will not be as forgiving if this photo of you with a Negro gets printed in the papers, especially in the South. But Hank is a friend, and I have the right to choose my friends. Trevia, I'm more upset with you. So carelessly putting my commodity in jeopardy commodity? for a night of drinks in that part of town. That part of town? It was an innocent evening having cocktails, listening to jazz, visiting with a musician whose skin just happens to be darker than mine or yours. What's wrong with us having a Negro friend? You of all people should be open to all kinds. You made Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah, a film about exposing anti-Jewish prejudice. Uh, look, look, I, I know you were young social liberals, but this studio is investing a small fortune in gentlemen prefer blondes. Trevia, I should fire you as the costume designer of this picture. Fire? But Billy's the greatest designer on a lot. Well, he isn't going to create any more designs for this studio if he keeps frequenting Negro clubs, bringing along my leading ladies, and getting their pictures taken with Negroes. That's ridiculous. Mr. Zanuck, if Billy goes, I go. What? Ladies, so we've arrived at Madison Square Garden. Here we go, Marilyn. Things are starting to change in the country, and Kennedy's new frontier would never be brighter than the night of the gala. I feel it now as I arrive for rehearsal, and Hank and Ella are performing with me. Good afternoon, ladies. Yes, Miss Monroe and I are here to meet with Mr. Adler. Yes, madam. He's already on stage. Mr. Benny has been asking for you, Miss Monroe. Jack's here? Pat, let's find him. Hello there, Marilyn. Hank! Oh, it's so wonderful to see you again. I was so happy to hear you were on the piano. Frankly, I'm a bit nervous. Who wouldn't be? Singing Happy Birthday to the President? I'm a little nervous, too. Oh, before I left L.A., my psychiatrist's daughter gave me the little engine that could. Isn't that a children's book about the little train going over the mountain, saying to itself, I think I can, I think I can? <laughs> That's it. Don't sweat it, Marilyn. You don't need that book. You got old Hank accompanying you on the keys. You know, the crowd's gonna go wild when you appear on stage. It's gonna get loud. <sighs> I'm afraid I won't hear my cue. Just listen. I'll be hitting G major. Once you hear it, start singing. We'll come up behind you. <sighs> that makes me feel better, Hank. Where's Ella? She's here. 
we're all here. Harry Belafonte's in the house, Diane Carroll, Miriam McCaba. Oh, I'm so excited to see Ella again. Well, here comes the First Lady of Song now. My, my, it's Miss Marilyn. Oh, Miss Ella, my sister. My soul sister. I haven't seen you since you were at the Crescendo in West Hollywood last year. Oh, you played ten nights. Yes, I did. But this here is something, Marilyn. Think about it. Just a few years ago, I was trying to get booked in swanky clubs. And you were standing up to that studio boss making your first big musical. Look at us now. At Madison Square Garden. And performing for President Kennedy. This president especially. It sure is different, Ella. This one might bring about some real change. Marilyn, you go in a Negro house and you'll see three portraits on the wall. Jesus Christ. Martin Luther King and, and Mr. President John, John F. F. Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the first president to even talk about race. Yeah. Kennedy's been speaking against segregation despite all those dirty racist rats in his own party. For that, I'll play piano at all his birthday bashes. Amen. There may be a day coming. No more going through the back door when we perform. Voting rights, access to public facilities, change is gotta come. I met Bobby Kennedy in February, and I asked him what the Justice Department is doing for civil rights, and he told me he's starting with desegregating Capitol Hill. I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> but you know, Hank, I owe Marilyn a real debt. Oh, you don't owe me anything. I should be thanking you. I remember back in 54 when we met at the Tiffany Club. <laughs> and every night you came back and brought more and more people with you each time. And too much in love. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Miss Fitzgerald. The First Lady of Song will take a short break and return. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember the Tiffany Club will feature Terry Gibbs and his jazz vibraphone, opening on November 26th. Hello, Miss Fitzgerald. I'm Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. Honey, I know exactly who you are. Oh, I think you're wonderful. Uh, Hal Schaefer, my vocal coach at Fox, asked me to listen to your recordings to prepare for my next picture. While listening to you sing, while you helped me learn phrasing and to stretch my vocal range. Well, that's a very sweet thing to say. Hey, would you like to join me for a cocktail? Oh, I don't drink, but I'll join you for a club soda. So that was my childhood. Kinda grim. Sometimes I wonder how I got through it all. 
But you did, honey. And look at you now. My parents were separated after I was born. I lived with my mother and her boyfriend. Helped my family out working as a runner for local gamblers. Picking up their bets. Dropping off their money. You ran numbers for bookies as a kid? Yes, ma'am. I also acted as a lookout for a bordello. Then my mother died when I was 15. And I was... mistreated... by her boyfriend. I was mistreated too. By grown men and a cousin. When I lived with my guardian aunt, she made me feel love for the first time. I moved in with my aunt, too. Started skipping class. Was sent to a reform school. Lord, it was unbearable. One time, I was held in a basement and all but tortured. Marilyn, we've both been hurt. But it hasn't broken you. And it hasn't broken me either. No, it has not. Your voice gave you a way out. The way modeling and acting gave me a way out. As girls, we felt alone in our pain. But I used memories from those times to help me find emotions for my performances. I know you know struggle. I see it in your eyes. Even on the screen, I see the struggle in your eyes. I have struggled my whole life. But you, you have to deal with a different kind of struggle. The kind that being white saves me from. I appreciate you acknowledging that. I'm not blonde. I'm not blue-eyed. And I'm not thin. But I have a voice. And I use it to my advantage. Oh, I know what you mean. I'm blonde and blue-eyed and thin. But my appearance sometimes works against me because oh, I want to be taken seriously as an actress. Yet I can use my looks to influence people when I need to. I'm going to support you to get better gigs in better clubs. That's very kind of you. <laughs> you are quite an unusual woman, Marilyn. We came together tonight, poured our hearts out to each other, like it was meant to be. <laughs> we are soul sisters. Soul sisters? Yes, it's a bond between two women who feel the same and share a deep connection. You know, like kindred spirits. Ella, you're my soul sister. Forever. Forever and a day. We women need to lift each other up. Soul sisters lift each other up. Oh, amen, sister. <laughs> I loved Ella's voice. 
So I went back night after night to the Tiffany Club, and I brought more and more friends. Soon I loved not only her voice, I loved her as a person, as my friend. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Hi, Ella. Your voice was perfection tonight. Smooth like velvet. Why, thank you, Marilyn. Who is this gentleman you're with this evening? This is Sidney Skolsky, the columnist. Very glad to meet you. Great show. Thank you, Mr. Skolsky. Oh, please, come join us during your break. So, what's new in your life, Ella? Well, I filed a suit against Pan Am. You're suing the airline? Yes. I was headed to Sydney for a concert tour with my accompanist and my secretary. We had a stopover in Honolulu, but the airline knocked the three of us off. But you had tickets. First class tickets all the way. Purchased and verified a week in advance. Oh, it's obvious prejudice. You've got to fight this, Ella. Yeah, sue the pants off them. And I hope you win a huge settlement. Well, it's not about the money, Sydney. The fella who knocked us off was wrong. Our tickets said all the way to Australia, and it was only the three of us that they knocked off. Oh, it's good you're fighting this. I know you win. You're in the right. I know. I just want to prove a point. Miss Monroe, Mr. Adler will be ready for you to rehearse in five. Thank you. I've been rehearsing at home. I've got every gesture choreographed. You're still such a perfectionist. We'll rehearse as long as you want. Don't worry. Oh, you'll be great, Marilyn, as always. I'll get them warmed up for you. Hank, you may not know this, it was because of Marilyn that I got to play at the Macombo when white clubs were giving some of us trouble. I remember the Macombo back then. They had some real headliners. Eartha Kitt, Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne. You should have been first on that list. I think the Macombo didn't want me because I wasn't slim and glamorous as those sisters who were a big draw then. But you know what Marilyn did? She personally called Charlie Morrison, the owner, and told him she wanted me booked immediately. If he would, she'd take a front table every night. Well, Charlie said yes, and the rest is history. I never had to play a small jazz club ever again. Oh, Ella, I think you're getting the Macombo confused with the Tiffany Club. I just made a phone call and spread the word so you had a few celebrities show up. You never needed me there. You were the best agent. You helped me get that booking. In my mind, you were there every night. In my heart, I was there. My soul sister. Miss Monroe, Mr. Adler wants to speak to you now. Mr. Jones, we'll need you on the piano in five. I know there's a running joke about me being late, but I'm punctual for the President of the United States. She's an unusual woman, Hank. A little ahead of her time. And she doesn't even know it. 
Good morning, Tony. Have you put on your dress yet? <laughs> and your heels? <laughs> well, I think you'll do just fine. And you and Jack were convincing enough when you went into the ladies' room together. Everyone thought you were a real woman. <laughs> oh, no, Alan hasn't talked to me yet about going on location. Is Janet and the baby coming along with you? Oh, I can't wait to hold Jamie Lee. Okay, Tony, it's sweet of you to call. You break a leg, too. I'll see you on set. Oh, and don't forget what I taught you about walking in heels. <laughs> the wardrobe lady just dropped off your costume. Oh, they had to let out the seams. I'm beginning to show bigger and bigger. Oh, I pray this baby will grow up in a different kind of world. You're going to spoil that baby rotten. Women who used to wear dresses like that. They were some wild women. What were they called? <laughs> Flappers. Oh, my mother used to be a flapper, you know. The 20s is when I was born. Well, let's see. Well, wardrobe did a good job. This should look just fine. Oh, and Ida Mae, pack your bathing suit for when we are in San Diego. In a few weeks' time. We'll be on location at the beach. See if your husband can get some time off work and come along with us. Oh, no, I don't think so. That hotel isn't friendly to my kind. Mm -mm. Oh, I see. Well, you just have as much right to be there as I do. Hello, Mr. Wood. Please come in. Miss Monroe is available. You take very good care of Miss Monroe. We appreciate that. But every uh, now and then, give her a nudge to get to the set on time. Yes, Mr. Wood. I'll step out and give you and Miss Monroe some privacy. Thanks, Ida Mae. Hi, Ellen. Good morning, Marilyn. We're heading down to the Hotel Del Coronado on Labor Day weekend. We've reserved an exclusive cottage overlooking Glorietta Bay for you and Mr. Miller. Very exclusive. Hmm, all this exclusivity is making you tense, Alan. What's the matter? Well, um, there's an issue with your reservation at the Hotel Dell. Issue? The issue of, uh, your maid. You mean Ida May? She has a name. Marilyn, I... I'm just going to say it. The Coronado isn't integrated. The hotel restricts Negro guests. So that's what this is about. You sounded so patronizing to Ida May. You take good care of Miss Monroe. Really. Can't you bring another maid? Someone white? The Mirish brothers can provide someone here from the Sam Goldwyn studio. Ida May is a member of my extended family. There's Whitey, Agnes, Paula, and Ida May. Florence is my other studio maid. She's Negro, too. When Florence is unavailable, Ida May fills in. If I go, Ida May goes. Uh, but the hotel has a restriction, Marilyn. 
They cater to an all-white clientele. Some of their guests wouldn't feel comfortable with a Negro on the grounds, even if she is Marilyn Monroe's extended family. Alan, you're part of making this groundbreaking comedy. We are pushing at the boundaries of the censors. Billy Wilder is making a statement about gender roles. We are standing up for the material with the census because it's good material. What we're doing is pioneering. But you can't stand up for Ida Mae. Well, she's good too, Alan. <sighs> Believe me, I, I know how you feel. I feel the same. I see you with Cindy Poitier and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dorothy Dandridge. I know they're your friends. But it's wrong to keep Ida Mae out. We must stand up for our brothers and sisters. But I heard directly from the manager of the Hotel Dell about the restriction. What should I tell him? Alan, this is 1958, not 1858. Please tell the manager that Marilyn Monroe, the leading lady of Mr. Wilder's picture, is bringing along her Negro maid to his magnificent hotel, as if her color is any of his business. Tell him that her Negro maid is on the set of all Miss Monroe's pictures. Case closed. And be brave, Alan. And tell that hotel manager to <clears throat> use diplomacy. Okay. I'll uh, send him a memo. I'll do whatever you have to do. Oh, come on. Don't look so glum. The world is changing. Someday you can tell your grandchildren that you were part of making that great change. Now, please. Ask Ida May to come in. <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm finished, Ida May. She's all yours. Thank you, Mr. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, Marilyn Monroe. Perhaps there has been no one female who meant so much, who has done more. <laughs> Mr. President, the late Marilyn Monroe. President, for all the things you've done, 
the battles that you've won, the way you deal with U.S. Steel and our problems by the ton. We thank you so much. Everybody, happy birthday! After my performance, I attended a private after party in honor of President Kennedy at the home of Arthur and Matilda Grimm in Manhattan. My escort for the evening was my former father-in-law, Isidore Miller. My publicist, Pat Newcomb, wanted to make sure I got to see the president. Please sit down, Dad. I can't sit when everybody else is standing. Sit, Bubala, and your plate isn't full. Eat, eat. Let me get you another helping. Oh, wait. There's Ella. You two sit tight just for a minute. I'll be right back. Don't take long. There's a reception line for the Kennedys, and you need to get through it, so don't disappear. I won't. And don't forget to bring my father-in-law. I promised him he would meet the president. Oy. Oh, boy. President. I'm getting spilkies. Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you all over. Ella, how do you think I sounded tonight? Well, you knocked it right out of the park. We all screamed our hearts out when you hit that stage. My goodness, they'll be talking about it for years to come. When I came out, there was like a hush over the whole place. And I thought... Oh my gosh, what if no sound comes out? Honey, your voice was loud and clear. And then I thought, by God, I'll sing this song if it's the last thing I ever do. <laughs> and for the people, like when I performed for the soldiers in Korea. Girl, you sang happy birthday like no one's ever sung it. Never before and never again. I added a touch of styling. I got that from you. <laughs> oh, and I almost couldn't hear Hank's cue. I turned to the microphone and I looked up at the crowd and... Marilyn, I need you to get to the receiving line now. It's time. Well, we can't hold that up. Ella, maybe I can get a minute alone with the president and the attorney general. Find out what they're doing about the movement. Maybe when the men go off to smoke their cigars. That's a wonderful idea. Anyone who's anyone is here tonight. This is our chance. And later, I'll introduce you to Ethel. I met her at the Lawfords. She'll help us bring the women together. Marilyn, now. Good evening, Miss Fitzgerald. Thank you for accepting our invitation. My pleasure, Mrs. Grimm. I've been told you and Mr. Krim are active in the civil rights movement. Of course we are. I've been a fighter for the rights of oppressed people for a long time. When I was young, I was appalled by the Nazi concentration camps. So, I joined the underground. I spent a summer smuggling guns over the French border. Really? Oh my goodness. Well... Just as I fight for rights for my people, I also believe in human rights for Jews and for homosexuals. 
The attitude that so many have against homosexuals reminds me of the attitude against the Jews during the war. What about rights for women? Ella, this is Ethel Kennedy. Good evening, Mrs. Kennedy. I like your idea of rights for women, too. You know, if women were in charge, there wouldn't be half the trouble there is in the world. And I think the civil rights issues would be solved. As women, some of us mothers, we have compassion. Most certainly. We all have something in common. The way Miss Kennedy raises her children. The way Miss Fitzgerald and Miss Monroe perform. The way I do my research. In a way, we're all bonded in our dedication to our missions. Like soul sisters. What is this, soul sisters? Kindred spirits, like all of us women here tonight. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, I've got to tell you what the president said. The president said... Yeah. Ooh! Lord have mercy! That night in New York, I wanted the world to have a real feeling of kinship. The problem was, at the time, that not everybody realized we were all brothers and sisters. John F. Kennedy was going to change that with his brother Bobby. At the party, a White House photographer took a picture of me between both brothers that night. But I think people got the wrong idea when they saw that picture. There were other people standing around us that got caught out, like my father-in-law and Pat. I guess people see what they want to see, especially when they look at me. When an ambassador looked at me in my gown, he said, I was wearing skin and beads, but he didn't see the beads. <laughs> oh, it's all an illusion. I think back to those times. We had so much hope for change then. And soon after, things did start to change, for the better. More and more people spoke up. But sadly, then, the president was assassinated. And Bobby and Martin. Ella and I, we never saw any differences between us. We knew if two women, two people, who looked different on the outside, could come together as friends, as soul sisters, then there was hope for everyone to experience the same kind of love that we shared. As for the two of us, we're still here, watching and waiting, and holding a good thought for all of you. For the complete experience of our series, visit our website at BehindTheIcon.com, where you can listen to every episode and also follow the story through historical photographs, videos, and exclusive anecdotes. You can subscribe on the website to join our community and get special updates about the series. On Facebook, search Marilyn Behind the Icon and stay connected to our social posts. Subscribe to the audio series of Marilyn Behind the Icon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or where you're listening now. We'd love for you to give us a review or rating if you're enjoying what you're hearing. 
You can also support the show and the production by checking out the offers from the advertisers and sponsors you hear in the show or find on our website. This dramatic audio series is based on the two-volume biography by author Gary Vitaco Robles titled Icon, The Life, Times, and Films of Marilyn Monroe.